Welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast. On this show, we take a relational approach to turning readers into fans by using expensive words based on our emotions to write compelling stories. This way, instead of finding customers who read, we find friends and fans who will go on any storytelling path with us as we walk down the winding roads that make up our author journeys. Get ready to learn more about writing the story of your heart right now on Writing Expensive Words. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Writing Expensive Words podcast. My name is Kristen N. Spencer. I'm an editor. I'm an author. I do lots of bookish stuff and I'm really happy that you're here because or else I'd just be talking to myself and who wants that? All right. Today we're going to talk about how to be creative without confusing or alienating your reader. And I know that I've talked a lot about how we need to be clear, how we need to be concise, right? We need the five C's in order to have clear communication, which is what writing is all about. But today I want to talk about writing as an artistic endeavor uh, because <laughs> I had a little bit of a reading bump myself. Last week, when I was um, listening to the audiobook for You Have Arrived at Your Destination by Immortals, and I was really excited about it. I mean, like, I was super excited about it because Blake Crouch has been, like, really promoting tolls. I bought his book, um, it's like A Man in Moscow or something. I bought his book. It's sitting upstairs. The book cover was like the jacket was completely wrecked. Thanks, Amazon. So I just threw that away. I should have sent it back, but I was being impatient, which I am impatient for good stories, right? Like I can't wait to dive into them. But I thought I would finish up the forward collection, which is curated by Blake Crouch on Amazon uh, before I start reading Toll, Toll's book like his full-on novel which is long it's thick it's like the same thickness as Hail Mary by Andy Weir so they're both kind of like battling in my heart right now to see like which one am I going to read first um but so when I was reading when I was reading you have reached your destination and I'm not going to even talk about it because I'm reserving all the judgment for tolls until I read his novel because I trust Blake Crouch implicitly, and I'm like, please be good, please be good. So I'm not even going to talk about why this book drove me insane. So you can read it for yourself and decide. But I do want to pull some ideas out, uh, because I immediately, once I finished it, I realized it was like, to me, right? It was like half a joke, in that the payoff wasn't totally clear, because of some of the things that Tolls introduced. And I feel like he introduced a lot of things toward the end, to seem like more foreboding, to seem more mysterious, because that's a fun thing, I guess, to do at the end of your book. Uh, no, it didn't work for me at all. Right after I finished it, I wrote a mini rant on my phone, which I lovingly and not at all begrudgedly, begrudgingly, uh, turned into this podcast. So listen, I have been writing every day. I've been working on the medium.com writing contest, which you should enter. Just type medium.com uh, writing challenge into Google and it will bring you up and you can win $50,000. Maybe that seems like a tiny amount of money to you, but like around here, that'll buy half a house, half of a house, like a house that you could live in. 
So of course I'm entering, I'm doing my best, I'm writing every day, and uh, it's an essay contest. So you have to write basically about yourself, about your own life. And I, uh, I couldn't help myself in one of them. I just let myself be artistic. It's, uh, it's basically a story based on my husband and I kind of always fight the same way. And it ends up a lot of times like that he's doing dishes or that I'm doing dishes. I don't know. I don't think anything about the dishes triggers it because like he, my husband is the best helper when it comes to chores. Like it's not like I'm mad he didn't do the dishes. I don't even load the dishwasher because I load it wrong apparently. So I just let like my husband and my oldest daughter do it. They know how they want it loaded. And if I load it, they'll come and fix it, fix it, air quotations. Uh, <laughs> so it's not anything like that, but I don't know why like we have, or if we go on a walk, sometimes we fight, like we just have like the most random fighty kind of moments. And so it was, I wrote about an argument that we were having, and it's it's this moment where lately I've been realizing that to love someone so transparent, like, to open yourself up to such huge intimacy, you're risking, like, insane, soul-shattering heartbreak. And... uh for better or for worse, right? You can't have that level of intimacy without that. So I I was writing about us talking, which was really fun. I wrote about a conversation without any dialogue, which I thought was really ironic. And uh, I was just really pleased with the piece, but I knew I like, in my head, I'm like, this is too artistic to win. And so I sent it to Maria. I'm like, it's too artistic to win, right? And she's like, yeah, for sure. And I was like, should I, like, is it dumb that I want to still enter it in? And she's like, no. And so I entered it, um, but I wasn't being artistic for the sake of being artistic. I was being artistic because I wanted to show an abstract idea that we're all in these closed off personal spaces. And it's not until we can open them that we build things that are beyond the material world that we live in. And that manifests itself in my short story by uh, these ideas coming out like weapons and making everything in the house explode. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to win for this one. I better make the other ones really good and not as abstract. But listen, I had a reason for doing it. I wanted to show these complicated ideas by introducing fantastical items in my otherwise autobiographical story. And I did not feel that that's what Tolls did with... <laughs> You have arrived at your destination. I felt like it was leading somewhere. I was on the road with him, right? Like, I was like, yes, I am with you for this ride. I agree. I see what you're pointing at. I'm down. I will read this whole thing. I will leave a great review. And then within, like, the last 20 minutes, well, maybe it's, like, 15 minutes, all these things got introduced to, like, make this conspiracy thing seem like that that's what was happening. And I was just like, what the heck? Why? Like, to seem cool, to seem artistic, to seem mysterious, to confuse the reader. That, that That's how I felt. I was like, I'm confused. Like, And also, like, the author calls back to this one thing several times, and then the main character never follows up on it. And I was like, what? Why was what? What was the point of that? Like, how did it end up? Uh, I just had feels, but they were not good ones. So this is what I want to ask you. Do you have something to say or not?
And I'm going to talk about James Gunn. And if you don't know who James Gunn is, he is a director. He's like a really famous director. His brother, Sean Gunn, is from the Gilmore Girls. Uh, he plays Kurt. And he's an, he's a really fun actor. And I am like all for James Gunn. All right. I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. If you've heard me talk about Marvel at all, you know I am like a serious Guardians of the Galaxy fangirl. Uh, if you are looking in my office right now, there is like a Groot Chia pet in my window. I always have to have like something Guardians of the Galaxy with me in all my favorite rooms. I have a Yondu statue in my living room. Uh, and someone asked if he was a different, like some other, I can't even remember what it was, but I was like, no, that is Yondu. That is Mary Poppins, y'all. And I, I really love James Gunn stuff right now. But if you were paying attention to the whole thing where James Gunn basically got fired from the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, don't worry, he's been rehired, thankfully. Um, but because he had all of these provocative tweets on Twitter that were really old, like super old that he never took down, and he even admitted because he typed a sort of semi-apology where he's like, listen, I'm sorry, I did these things to be provocative because I didn't really... You know, he was learning how to be a storyteller, but some of the things were like about uh, sexually abusing children. And even though he didn't actually do that, it was just really poor taste. Like the whole cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, came together and wrote a letter and Chris Pratt put it out. And they were like, we don't support this at all, but we understand that he's changed and we'd love to see his vision for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which we are going to see. But it had to wait because in the meantime, he got hired to redo Suicide Squad which they're not even calling it anything other than Suicide Squad. They're pretending like the other one didn't happen, which is weird. And I don't know, DC, I want to root for you, but you're making it really hard. So when he was younger, he started, you know, he was putting out those tweets, James Gunn was, about things that were really inappropriate because he wanted to be provocative for the sake of being provocative. And that's not what good storytellers do. And that's not what he does anymore. And that's why now he's wildly successful. Because he's telling stories like, for me, all I see his stories like are all about family. And I love that. Like, it resonates. And, you know, that family is sometimes a family of your own making. They're the relationships you choose. And we see that in Guardians of the Galaxy, especially the second one, where we have the villain or, I don't know, should I give spoilers? The movie's been out forever. It's fine. I won't talk about it. I'll do a whole episode about that where I'm like, spoiler alert. And then I just do everything that I normally do. <laughs> so uh, I, I want you to really think about this question next time you're going to write a project. Do you have something to say? Do you have a point of view? Do you have an opinion that you want to share in storytelling form without preaching? And we talked about this in uh, storytelling boot camp series. People don't like it when you're preaching at them through a story. That's not okay. The best way to get your point across, across is to invoke empathy by telling a meaningful story that uses expensive words. And so I, man... I just don't feel like you have arrived at your destination has expensive words in it. Like it wasn't enough for me to connect and to overlook everything. And I also want to say this. If you have something to say, don't 
inch your way toward it for however many thousand words and then not say it. That drives me crazy and it drives most readers, viewers, whatever crazy. Uh, and you might be asking, well, Kristen, what if I like seriously hint at it? And I, I have to tell, I have to talk about this. Uh, there's a VeggieTale video. Okay, my kids were really young when VeggieTales were like at the peak, right? When Jonah came out and all that stuff. Uh, and I love Phil Vischer. And if you haven't listened to his new podcast with Sky Jathani called The Holy Post, and you are a Jesus follower, you are missing out. His The new one is great. I love it. My husband and I listen to it all the time. They talk about all these crazy things. It's just awesome. Um, so, yeah, go listen to Holy Post if you're a Jesus follower. And if you're not, you could still listen to it and see. And you'll hear Bob the Tomato's voice. But so... In the St. Nicholas movie, uh, Larry the Cucumber comes out. And that one's set in Greece. So, of course, my whole family's like, yay. And we sent people sent us like we had like five copies of it because they're all set in Greece where you live. And um, that's when we lived in Greece. Now we live in Pennsylvania. But uh, so there's this one line that my husband and I always, always say to each other. And Larry the Cucumber, like at the end uh, of like this recap that they're doing at, towards the beginning of the story, and he goes, it's more of a European ending. We're left with more questions than answers. And so my husband and I always say that to each other. Like, if there's something that's not clear cut or it just gone off the rails, we're like, it's more of a European ending. And we invoke the name of Larry the Cucumber. Uh, but don't do that on purpose. If it is obviously implied, if your ending is obviously implied, okay, I will give you a pass for that. Of course, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just telling you advice because I love you and I want your story to be amazing. Uh, but if you are like, I'm really obvious, Kristen, like there's no way that the reader could see this and not know it. All right. OK, but I guarantee there will still be readers who don't know what you mean unless you actually say it. So this is my writing advice. This is my life advice, uh, except with the life advice, I'll add on a little little tag. OK. If you have something to say, actually say it, all right? And in real life, if you have something to say, actually say it in kindness, right? We're going to pull the Mr. Rogers approach on that one because I have on my wall a little post-it note here, right, about success. There are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way, can you guess? It's to be kind. And that's a quote from Fred Rogers. And I always have that there because I'm not perfect. I get cranky. I felt cranky at uh, Immortals for the end of this story. I was like, wait, what? That's the end? Seriously? Seriously. So if you have something to say, say it. And if you are talking to someone in real life, be kind. But don't String an author, string an author, string a reader along and then not deliver. Like your story has to have an ending and it needs to be obvious as to why the ending matters, why it's important to the character, why it's important to the reader. So the whole point of this episode is for me to tell you some friendly advice as a writer. Stop playing hard to get. Stop being artistic just for the sake of being artistic and then saying, well, it's not my fault. If the reader didn't get it, it's not my fault if they didn't follow the semi-coherent clues that I left and then didn't end properly. 
it's your job to make sure they understand. That's the whole point of writing. That's why you need a copy editor. That's why you need a developmental editor sometimes. You have to make the story make sense. If it doesn't make sense, if it's too artistic or too mysterious, what other things did I write? Uh, provocative, creepy, dangerous. If you just want it to have like a weird air about it, you can do it with a tone. Don't do it with the actual plot. That's like a major mistake that you're going to make. And that is how you are going to end up with readers mad at you. That's how you're going to end up with people who love stories being pissed off at you, which is how I felt at the end of You Have Arrived at Your Destination. But like I said, I'm reserving judgment. I want to read his full-on novel, and I trust Blake Crouch implicitly. So obviously Blake Crouch's story was really good. But I did, oh my gosh, you guys, I um, just finished the audiobook for another short story in the Forward series on Amazon. Um, called Emergency Skin by N.K. Jemison. I think that's her name. It's covering her name in this. Um, but, oh, it was so good. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I definitely recommend you read that one. I'm sure I'll do a whole episode about it because it was pure awesome. It was everything that a science fiction, a fiction fan like me, a science fiction uh, a f like nerd like me, uh, would love and it honestly, like, the t it reminded me of Arthur C. Clarke, which I told my daughter, and she's like, I don't know who that is. And I was like, have I failed as a mother? But then I realized, like, my daughter doesn't really like science fiction that much. And so I told her, well, either you're going to like science fiction and you'll learn who he is, or you just won't like science fiction and you won't care who he is. And I didn't say anything after that, but it made my heart break a tiny, a, just a little tiny bit because Arthur C. Clarke obviously amazing but yeah emergency skin i highly recommend it oh it was good it was really good so what are you doing sitting around here listening to this like go write go write something and stop playing hard to get as always it is never too late to write the story of your heart this has been another episode of the writing expensive words podcast with me your host Kristen Spencer. I'd love to hear your amazing writing thoughts and questions from your awesome writing brain. You can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer or at literary symmetry. Or you can email me at kns at literarysymmetry.com. This podcast is funded by awesome listeners like you. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it rolling, you can head over to www patreon.com forward slash expensive words. You can keep all of my hosting and software needs going for the show by donating less than what it costs for one fancy cup of tea a month. And to be eligible to join writing coaching calls with me, check out the $12 a month sponsorship. You will get to ask me questions live about the story of your heart once a month and meet other cool writers. Thanks again for listening and happy writing.